Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and I'm here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl, what's new in your world, buddy? Um... Um, I'm doing a binge watch of these like video explanations of comics I've done, like all like the big Green Lantern stuff besides uh, Green Lantern Core War and like Jeff Johns' revival of it. And then I've also done Marvel things. I've done Planet Hulk, a World War Hulk. Uh, Currently doing 2015 Secret Wars. And. I think I did... No, I just thought about doing Age of Ultron. All right. Do you have a preference thus far? What's more interesting storylines so far? Oh, it's got to be Blackest Night. Tell me about that. Because basically Blackest Night is just done so well in the way it like goes from beginning to end. Like It's basically kind of mainly about the fault of the Guardians of the Universe... Guardians of the Universe. I don't know them. I know Guardians of the Galaxy. Are they different? Uh, yes. Okay, well, briefly. Guardians, Guardians of the Universe are... Okay, so they were part of the race that was supposed... That was said to be the first race of the multiverse. And they were, like, the highest of that race. And this is Marvel or DC or something DC. else? DC. Okay. And Cat being annoying. And... Like, there was one called Krona who wanted to see the beginning of the universe. But by doing that, he accidentally created the multiverse. Aha. Uh-huh. But that's who they are, and they created the Manhunters, which, which went these robots that are meant to be the police force of the universe. And But they went awry and killed Atrocitus' family, causing Atrocitus to create the Red Lanterns. And then... They created the Green Lantern Corps. Okay, so this is a Green Lantern, DC Green Lantern storyline. Which involves other heroes, too. All right, cool. That sounds awesome. Which involves uh, my favorite thing of like all time. It is Sinestro Corps, Scarecrow. Sinestro Corps and Scarecrow, like the Batman hero? I mean, villain Scarecrow? Yeah, he joins the Sinestro Corps because he has the power to cause great fear. Oh, all right. Well, that's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. What's new in your world? I was distracted by the cat. I know. You need to to probably need to focus a little bit. But it's Um, a cat. It is a cat. It's two cats. So uh, what's new in my world? I had a birthday yesterday. Oh, yeah. I I almost forgot about that. I'm 46 years old. That feels really, really old sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't feel old. I'm sorry. (laughs) The cat just like heard like a weird noise and it just went like... Right, but this is audio, so they can't hear, they can't see that, so that doesn't really help them very much. Oh, well, I was telling you, it was very funny. Awesome, I'm telling you, I feel old. All right, what <laughs> movie are we talking about this this week, Hank? Today we're today we're what we're reviewing. It took a long time to get to the word. I almost said wearing <laughs> Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp. That's right. This is a uh, what universe are we in? Is this Marvel or DC? Marvel. And is this a prequel, sequel, or a standalone movie? Sequel. All right. So this is Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
The uh, storyline basically on this, right, is uh, can you update us a little bit? Now, we know Hank Pym is in this, who was the original Ant-Man back in the day, but he's not the Ant-Man in these movies, correct? Yes, the Ant-Man is Scott Lang, who got himself on house arrest. Played by Paul Rudd. Played by Paul Rudd, who got himself on house arrest after working with Captain America during Civil War. Okay, so this definitely takes place after Captain America's Civil War. Does it take place before or after... Avengers Infinity War. We're just going to pause here. Okay, just to confirm, this definitely happens after Captain America Civil War. Where does it fall in? Is this before Infinity War, the Avengers, or this after that? I think it's during or probably a little bit before. Okay. Because of the end credit scene. Okay, cool. We'll get to that there. Uh, all right, man. So, uh, what do you think? Were you were you looking forward to this movie? Were you not looking forward to this? Has Ant-Man been on your radar? I kind of dug him in the Civil War when he got big, and that was pretty fun. And, of course, Paul Rudd's very, you know, lovable, right? Um, I had was going in with mixed feelings because this movie was obviously supposed to be like a little calm down after Infinity War like okay here's a comedy with Ant-Man right and it was funny it was great and I I really didn't notice it was coming and then I'm like oh it's here yeah so this is not I, one I did not have time to react fully this is not one that we saw like you know the Thursday that it opened as we sometimes do for some ones that we're more excited about right yes uh, with that being said, though, I was kind of, uh, my expectations were fairly low, but I was, you know, looking forward to it for a pleasant time at the movies. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was very funny. And it, what it lacked in some, like, real story elements, it made up for in its comedy fully. And of, of course, with, um, can't remember his name, but you know, the, you know what I'm talking about, the real funny person. The Michael Pena, the yeah, actor? Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't remember his character's name either, but yeah, that actor's great. He has a lot of range, but he's so funny in these movies. And for y'all, he's the guy who tells the stories that, you know, it's his voice and they'll cut away to the image and have people, you know, lip syncing with his voice, you know, telling the actual, you know, the long-winded awesome stories. This kind of sets the, set the tone really early in the first Ant-Man. And uh, I was looking forward to, you know, repeating in this one as well. And it did. Yeah, and I love how it did it with, like, him using, like, the truth serum to the story. Yeah, was that was like, a re- There was a lot of reoccurring bits. And there are t- tons of spoilers here in this, as always, with our reviews. That's why we make them a little bit late. So we figure you've kind of got a chance to see it. Uh, but there'll probably be some more spoilers coming as well. Uh, so what's the storyline, basically, in this one? You know, back in the f- first one, you know, we learned that... Um, Hank Pym's wife was the original Wasp and she made herself go into the quantum realm and was lost forever. And that was like the big emotional journey from the first Ant-Man, right? So what are we doing in this one? And in this one, uh, Paul Rudd's gone to jail for Captain America stuff, right? Yep. And so he's on the outs with Evangeline Lilly, uh, the actress from Lost, who's pretty awesome. And catch us up from there. What's going on? Uh, Hank Pym and Evangeline Lilly's character 
are on the run from the government while trying to create this machine to get her mom back. And Paul Rudd is on house arrest, going through the last three days till he's able to go outside. That's right. And Paul Rudd's big emotional arc, you know, it's his daughter. You know, he's a criminal. He wants to spend time with his daughter. Of course, you can't spend time with your daughter when you're on a house arrest. I guess she can come visit. But you can't live a normal life that you want to lead with being a good dad when you when jail is involved uh, or certainly makes it an impediment. Uh, right. So that's kind of where we are in the beginning of it. Now, who is Ghost? Ghost is this character that seems to have been like dosed accidentally with this quantum radiation, I guess, and is like phasing is can phase through stuff, but it's only like a while till her body completely phases out of existence. Gotcha. So she's kind of the antagonist a little bit on this. Uh, you kind of root for, her, but you kind of also root against her a little bit, right? And she, who is she helped by? She's helped by, uh, I can't remember his name. That's okay, so uh, describe I think him. He worked, uh, he just Goli- he's called Goliath in the comics. Oh, uh, really? Okay, so well, he was Hank Pym's actually, partner, right? Yes, and he was one, Goliath was actually one of the big deaths in Civil War, almost the big death in the comics. Oh, really? No kidding? And they just decided not to include that at all in the movies? Nope. Oh, fascinating. So he was played by Lawrence Fishburne, who plays... Uh, isn't he played by Lawrence Fishburne? You're looking at me so. like all that. <laughs> like, confused. I think so. Okay, I think so, too. Who played, uh, you know, Morpheus in The Matrix. So oh, lots of... That, uh, oh, that's that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lots of uh, sci-fi kind he of... Sh- he should have played Ghost. Geek cred. I was Ghost in the comics, not like a young, wafy girl? No, I was just talking about because he's Morpheus and... Oh, I uh, got gotcha. you. He should have played Ghost and like, <laughs> doing all the Matrix things. I got gotcha. you. So this is, yeah, so Ghost it's a little bit of a smaller story. Uh, they're trying to get the mom slash wife back. Uh, we've got the romance subplot between Ant-Man and Wasp. And I kind of dug their relationship. I love the action scenes with them. Uh, Wasp has got some cool weapons. Uh, they did a great job to me in this movie of playing up on the big and small and some cool action scenes where things that are big come, come small because they can throw these little discs, right? And it makes things either bigger or smaller. And the Hot Wheels car. It's like, yeah, so that's kind of one of the classic uh, movie and TV tropes of things set in San Francisco is car chases in San Francisco. There was a great TV show back in the 60s, I think called The Streets of San Francisco. You see it a ton in movies. You know, there's, San Francisco is incredibly hilly. So then seeing like a matchbox car go up and down these hills was pretty great and a nice homage to the classic, uh, you know, 70s, you know, car car chases in San Francisco. Um, anything that you didn't like about the film? Uh, the FBI agent, the big one that, like, is, like, a failure and is doing, like, trying to learn magic from Paul Rudd. Uh, so why, and why is he learn, trying to learn up-close magic? Because... Paul Rudd was able to do it amazingly well. That's right. So he's trying to learn it too. I, th- I liked it. I thought that was funny. I thought all the FBI agents were were great. And a big shout out to uh, Suhaila Elatar, who is an Atlanta actor and friend who is in this. She played one of the FBI agents uh, searching down Ant-Man. Uh, 
So his storyline, or you just didn't like him as an actor because he was did did great as an actor. Oh no, he did great as an actor. I was just talking about his character, how like I found him wanting to succeed. I'm like, catch Paul Rudd. You you've never succeeded once in this movie. You deserve a win. <laughs> so you felt sorry for yes. him. <laughs> I'm like, this is a comedy. I shouldn't be feeling sorry for this character. I gotcha. Um. Well, cool. So, all right. So, uh, you know, I again, I like this movie also. So, what do what should we rate this movie? How many? What should we? What things should we use to rate it? Wait, hold up. What end credit scene? We're gonna talk about that. Yeah, we are. We was gonna talk about it after we rated it, but okay, like the end. All right, let's. But why don't we talk about it? Now? Why don't we talk about no. it now? Okay. So the first end credit scene was so is Paul Rudd going into the quantum zone, knee zone, and. Taking him in there is Evangeline Lilly, Michelle Pfeiffer's character who plays the mom who they got out during the movie, and Hank Pym. And as he's in there, it, Paul Rudd gets stuck in there because all three of those other outside characters vanish away because of Thanos' snap during Avengers Infinity War. Right, and this totally got me in the gut again. And I, I hate to say it, I did not see this coming. So yeah, Paul Rubb's in the quantum realm. He's like, they're inside the van. He's inside the van. They've like made it to uh, this you know thing that can send you to the quantum realm. And they're outside controlling it, and they're talking in a communication, and then all of a sudden they just don't talk anymore. And he's like, what's going on? I can't do this. I'm stuck. And the, yeah, then they cut outside, and it's that same like, burnt embers ashes kind of like floating away thing and it just golly it was another punch in the gut which helped us know exactly when this movie does does take place in the in the marvel cinematic universe yep did you see it coming yes did you really yeah that's awesome at first i didn't at first i didn't but when he went inside there and then all of a sudden like i had suspected it but then when other thing went silent i knew it well, that's that's awesome. I um, I don't know what I thought, but I did immediately. I got really it hit me primarily scared of the idea of like him being tiny and lost all that time, just like Michelle Pfeiffer's character was. I mean, she seems to emerge fairly mentally intact, but I think that would kind of he, she freak got, you she got out. powers out of it though, too. Oh, did she get powers? I don't remember that. I mean, kind of like she was like touch it with the head and like made ghosts go a little bit back to herself. I'm showing an example with the cat. I'm touching the head of the cat. I did not remember that at all. Oh, oh. and then there was a... After that, there was, a n- <laughs> there was another end credit scene, which was the worst end credit scene to come out of the MCU. Wow, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty strong and bold. What was it? It was just the ant drumming. We'd seen the ant drumming before. What I would have wanted to see with the ant drumming was it like walk down the street as everyone's disappearing, singing a song. Oh, that'd have been great. I love that idea. Like if he was just like strolling about doing his thing and their people are disappearing. Or another one is for it to dissolve into little tiny ants. Oh, that would have been pretty cool, too. Yeah, so the the, incred- the last, the final incredible scene was just... Uh... Okay, so they would be dissolving into little tiny ants. That would be kind of kind of brilliant. 
so what was your previous worst in credit scene if this is the worst oh wow i had no worst in credit scene until then but i knew that if I was going to have a worse in credit scene, that one would have to be it. <laughs> okay, so this is the first one you've really been disappointed in. What about the uh, Captain America Patience one? Well, he's well, like that a was teacher. funny, though. I thought that was funny, too. So, all right. All right, so what should we use to rate this movie? We should use... Um... Oh, wow, what should we use? How about ants? Is that too easy? That's too easy. No. We should do those quantum whales. Uh, what Five are those quantum whales, called? okay? What are those? So he's referring to the those really tiny, tiny little animals, and every now and then, like uh, you'll get an ace, you know, Facebook or an email that'll talk about you know these amazing animals that can't be killed, and you know you can can't freeze them, can't boil them, and I don't remember what they're called, but they look very cute when they you know are passed around, but then you know they looked a little. A little terrifying out in the quantum realm where they can attack you and eat you. Uh, all right, so we don't know what those are called. Actually, I'm going to maybe I'll pause and I'll look that up right now because I know everyone's dying to know. Okay, so my Google search yielded nothing helpful. So, okay, yielded nothing. Uh, <laughs> so, if you're listening to this, you probably know the animal's name, or I don't even know if it's probably not even technically an animal. But you know the name and you're shouting it in your head, and but we can't hear it. So sorry about that. So we're not using that. We're using ants. We got to go. We have a time limit on this. So how many ants would you give it? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to uh, you have to actually say words out loud. <laughs> you do it first. All right. I'm going to give this movie... Uh, three and a half ants out of five. Five ants being the best movie ever, and you know, zero ants being the worst movie ever. Uh, three and a half ants was. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was fun. Uh, I laughed a lot. Uh, you know, decent enough story, decent enough science, kind of cool emotional stuff going on. Again, I like the actors a lot. Evangeline Lilly, I think she's amazing. Paul Rudd's amazing. Uh, Suhaila Elatar is amazing. Uh, so it was good. That's what I three and a half. How about you? I would give it a three and a two fifths. Three and two fifths. All right. <laughs> Cutting the ant up in the fifth. <laughs> okay. That's uh, only, keep in mind, that's only one tenth away from being what he gave it. Okay? So don't think I'm being all mean. So you liked it also. All right. Good. Good, good, good. All right. So what are you reading these days, buddy? Uh, I'm reading this biography of. What did you just finish, though? You just oh, finished I just that. finished Armada, finally. I think that's what I've used for my what is reading for the past entire podcast. So why don't you tell tell everybody a little bit about it, and if you liked it, it was you finished a, it. It was a good... I felt that it was more real than some sci-fi war movies and i know it's about aliens and stuff so it can't be that real but i but since most of the characters you meet like die it seems like very similar to an actual war just with aliens and spaceships right and by realistic you mean really you know it, it sticks to the rules that it created in the book and there's actual consequences for some of the characters Yes. All right. So that's that's a cool. That's a good note. Mm-hmm. That uh, 
You know, if you're trying to make something and you want the audience to buy into it, you have to let, you know, your characters suffer some bad consequences. Otherwise, they won't, it won't be believable. Yep. Cool. I started a, a new book, a Longmire series book, and I forgot the author's name. I don't even remember the name of the book. It's the second one in the series. And I didn't start with the first because I think I'd watched the pilot. This is a show that I think was on Netflix for a little while. I heard it was really good. Katie Sackhoff was in it. She was in a great actress. She was in Battlestar Galactica. So I've just begun like the first five or six pages of that, but already I'm, I'm kind of digging it. And I'll give a much more full report later on. All right, Hank Owl. Anything else to say to the peeps? No. All right, thanks for joining Wait, us. except, I, never mind, I do. Okay. Don't go into the quantum realm do when Thanos do. is around. You know, that's just solid advice I think we can all, we all should, we all should listen to. And also, those quantum bears, that's what I'm calling them. I think never bears did was, anything is in it. I looked, I searched, I thought bears was in it too. Ne- never, okay. They never did anything wrong to anybody. <laughs> no. They're, they're in just... the dolphin family of eating kindness and unicorn particles. But we just, <laughs> all right, there we go. So thank you very much for joining us. I know this is a little abbreviated version. We're under a little time crunch today. But uh, thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Serzier and Antoine Harad. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.